0: Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoyed the journey with me. Hey, Life Church, how's everybody doing? Good morning. Good morning, my name's Harriet. It's a privilege today to be here talking with you. Um, You know, we're in the last two weeks in this facility before we cross over into the new. That's a pretty big deal. I don't know how many of you follow this or know this, but last weekend from Friday to Sunday was Rosh Hashanah. And you may be going, we're not Jewish, but we really are because we're grafted in. So just stay with me. And Rosh Hashanah means the head of the year. On God's calendar, it's the beginning of a new year. And so here we are, crossing over into the year 5784. And it's going to be amazing. Are y'all ready? God has something new for us. How many of you believe that God really cares about where we are geographically? I mean, He cares about where we are spiritually, but He cares about where we are geographically too. So for whatever reason, He called us to be here for a season in the gym. Aren't y'all going to miss the basketball goals? Because I'm not. That's not one of the things I'm going to miss. But anyway, he has called us now almost full circle back to Oleander Drive down at the new facility. It's going to be amazing. So it's a very exciting time for our church. If you're new here, hang with us. It's going to be an awesome time. Um, I want to thank Tim for allowing me a spot, a place on the platform for my voice and my calling and my gifting And I appreciate that so much. I appreciate it so much. I never wanna take that for granted. I'm so thankful for it. So for the last few years, every single time I have been asked to speak, um, I have kind of had a same type of message and it would be almost like there's a big target and the bullseye in the middle of the target sort of has the same theme. You know what I'm saying? If you thread all my messages, if you go back and listen to them over the last like say three years, they all kind of have the same theme and it all um, has to do with courage, facing your fears or overcoming the culture of our time. Yes, that's right. So I would love to report to you today that I have a new bullseye in the target to hit, but alas, I don't. I don't, but I do have a really fresh word from God. So are y'all good with that? I got a fresh word from God and I promise it's going to encourage you. You know, the word encourage means that someone is putting courage inside of you. And that's what I want to do today. I want to take this crazy world we're living in and take some courage and stick it inside of each one of you. So when you go out of these doors again, you're encouraged, okay, that y'all are encouraged. So here's the title of my message. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Now, I don't know how many of you were here a few weeks ago for Youth Takeover Sunday, but Lachlan preached a stunning message, it was great. And in the middle of this message, it really wasn't part of his word, But he said these words because he was talking about Elijah. After this big showdown on Mount Carmel, he went running for his life, sat down under a tree, and he wanted to die. He asked God if he could die. And the Lord said to him, what are you doing here? And when he said that in his message, it like hit like an arrow to my spirit. And I was like, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, stay on that, follow that train of thought, and I'm gonna take you somewhere. And so that's exactly what I did. So we're going to find ourselves visiting this Old Testament story today with kind of a new lens on it, because how many of you know we are in a new day, but we are fighting old demons? I'm going to say it again. We're in a new day, but we're fighting old demons. Do y'all know that the demons that were cast out of heaven with Satan at the beginning with God, you know, when God cast them out of heaven, those same demons are alive and well on planet earth today. Do you know that they never died? Same with the angels. The angels that were there at Jesus's birth, still, they're still angeling, right? They're still there. They didn't like die. They don't have, they're not like us, right? They, they go on and on and on for eternity. So we're in a new day, but we're fighting some old demons. We are truly today, and I'm gonna show you, we are living in what I would call the days of Elijah. Now, how many of you from the 1990s remember the worship song, the days of Elijah, right? And the first line of the song said, these are the days of Elijah declaring the word of the Lord. And that's what Elijah did. How many of you would say we need Elijahs today in the earth declaring the word of the Lord? We absolutely do. So, what did his day look like when Elijah was alive and well, walking on planet Earth, just like you and me? What was that like? It was 3,000 years ago, first of all. And then there were like wars everywhere. It's very similar to the world and culture we live in today. There were political wars, there were sexual wars. There were gender wars, there were spiritual wars, there were parental wars, there were cultural wars and educational wars. Does that sound familiar? You know, when you go to a big place and you have to go to that little map, the directory, and it tells you where you are so you can figure out where you're going. If we were there today, there'd be a big circle around that and it would say, you are here. We are where Elijah was. We're facing the same kinds of things. Y'all, we're arguing over who can get pregnant. Y'all listening? That's crazy. We're arguing over if men can chest feed, which should be child abuse, right? To feed, I don't know what they're feeding them, chemicals or I don't even know. Gender pronouns. We're arguing over men being in every space of women's, in our bathrooms, in our dressing rooms, in our sorority houses, everywhere. They're everywhere. We can't go anywhere that men have not taken over women. It's absolutely insane what is happening. And nobody's going to speak up about it because everybody's being, they're afraid that they're going to be bullied and they're going to be canceled. Can you say the word fear? Fear, that's what we're living in. We have drag shows that are called entertainment that are doing nothing but grooming children sexually. I don't know about you, but... That's some crazy stuff. I can't even I can't even believe I'm saying those words. That's how crazy that is. And if you and I speak up about it, they'll cancel you, they'll deplatform you, and then they will publicly crucify you. So, how many of you were here two or three weeks ago for Tim's sermon when he preached on David and Goliath? That was one of the best messages I have heard in a long time. And he spoke about something called the fourth dimension. The fourth dimension, so the first three dimensions that we live in are height, weight, depth, natural. The fourth dimension that you and I can find ourselves in, just like David did, that's how he was able to know that he could kill Goliath, he tapped into the fourth dimension. You and I are gonna have to do that because the fourth dimension is the spiritual realm where we can't see. It's another place, another dimension, and it's it's where we are right now. Do y'all understand that we're in a war right now? We're in a war, we're in a battle, not against people. We're in a battle with powers in the fourth dimension, in that other place up there where we can't see. So I want us to pray today and we're gonna get right to our text. Father God, we thank you so much for the power of the Holy Spirit. We invite you Holy Spirit to come, to turn any part of our heart that is stone into flesh, to open the eyes of our spirit, our ears. Let us not just become hearers of the word, but doers. God, I ask that you would anoint my words, especially as I open the word of God. I ask, Lord, that anything that's born of my flesh, you would let it fall away by the wayside and that it would bear no fruit. But whatever is born of your spirit, God, we call it forth now in the name of Jesus. And we ask for it to produce a harvest in this church body right here in Life Church in Wilmington, North Carolina. I ask God that it would change us. And if we came in one way today, that we're gonna leave another way when we go out. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, first text we're getting to is 1 Kings 18. I'm gonna read a few verses beginning with verse 17. When Ahab saw Elijah and Elijah said to him, is this you the cause of disaster for Israel? Now, some versions call him the troubler of Israel. The king of Israel is saying to Elijah, is this you the troubler of Israel? And Elijah said, I have not brought disaster to Israel, but you and your father's house have because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and you have followed Baal, say Baal. "'Now then send orders and gather all to me, "'all of Israel at Mount Carmel "'together with 450 prophets of Baal "'and 400 prophets of the Asherah "'who eat at Jezebel's table.' "'So Ahab sent among the sons of Israel "'and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel "'and then Elijah approached the people and said this, "'Elijah, these are the days of Elijah. "'Elijah is saying this to the church today. "'How long are you gonna struggle with two choices?' If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And the people did not answer him as much as a word. Now I'm gonna paraphrase this story of what has happened on Mount Carmel. So Elijah has called forth all the people of Israel to come to the showdown, to this big worship service that they're gonna have at Mount Carmel. And he told Jezebel and Ahab, you get all the prophets of Baal, And y'all try to, you set up a, an altar and you call out to God and I'll do the same over here. He's alone. I'm going to do the same over here and I'm going to call out to the one true God myself after you all have called on the demon God, Baal. And whoever has the sacrifice consumed by fire from heaven, that's whose God is God, period. So y'all know what happened. They, they did all the things, all the Baal worship. They did all the child sacrifice, the cutting, the, all the orgies. They did everything that they do to worship Baal. Then you have Elijah and he steps up and he calls down fire from heaven. And the word of God said the fire came down. Have y'all ever seen fire from heaven? Because I hadn't. The fire came down from heaven and didn't just consume his sacrifice. It consumed all of the Baal worshippers sacrifice and licked up all the water they had poured on it to wet it. I mean, that's some power. So they're like, oh, okay. So verse 40 says, and Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let them escape, not one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and he slaughtered them there, all of them. Elijah slaughtered all those people, hundreds and hundreds of people. Now, how many of you would say, this is a big day in Elijah's life? I mean, if you're gonna kill 450 people with your sword, jaw, can you imagine how much adrenaline and how exhausted that man was? Just think about that. Now I know God was helping him, but just think about that. Okay, that brings us to our next text, 1 Kings 19, 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like the life of one of them. And he was afraid. And he got up and he ran for his life. He came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked for himself to die. He said, enough, Lord, this is enough. Now take my life for I am no better than my father's. And then he lay down and he fell asleep under the broom tree, but behold, there was an angel touching him. And he said to him, arise and eat. So he looked and behold, there was at his head a round loaf of bread, some versions say cake, baked on hot coals and a pitcher of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. But the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too long for you. So he arose, he ate and drank, and he journeyed in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of god so here we come upon elijah in his most vulnerable and weak moment of his entire life anybody had a moment of vulnerability yeah anybody ever felt weak yes he's in this deep struggle many of you here today may feel like your life is in a deep struggle Like you may not be running for your life, but you really are kind of running for your life. You feel that way on the inside. We see Elijah ending up under the tree and wanting to die. He's depressed and he needs help. I would call it Elijah's very bad day. And isn't this a real picture of our own humanity? Isn't this just a picture of what happens to us sometimes? I mean, I think it is. It was his lowest, darkest day. He was weak. He was afraid. We're going to talk to that, about that in a minute. He was insecure and he was broken. And sometimes the strongest men and women that you and I know, they have struggles like this. They have dark nights of the soul. They have dark days that they experience and walk through. We see it all through the Bible, right? The book of Lamentations is a whole book about lamenting and grieving. When we open up the book of Psalms and we read it, it has the most beautiful words penned. But what we see there is soul-wrenching humanity in the book of Psalms. If we go to the book of Job, we see him. He's like, I wish I'd never even been born. I don't even like my birthday. Why do I even have a birthday? I don't even like it. Paul, over in 2 Corinthians, he talks about how he's overwhelmed, he's weak, he's in despair, And then we have Jesus. We see Jesus celebrating and we see him weeping, right? All the things. God's people have hard days. They have hard seasons at times. Times when fear and heartache make us want to run away. So we also have, and, and I will tell you, there's some, there's some greats of the faith that I love. Uh, Martin Luther, John Wesley, my favorite, Charles Spurgeon. Every single one of these mighty men of God all speak in their works about living between this thing of hope and despair. It's just like humanity. Elijah was human. Now, Elijah had some big wins. He had some really high highs. So, okay, here's, here's some highs. He prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years and it didn't rain. Then he prayed it would rain and it rained. That's some power, right? Can you imagine it not raining for three and a half years in Wilmington, what this place would look like? A big dust bowl? I don't even know what it would be. You'd be awful. Then it rained. Then he prayed for this widow that her resources of flour and oil would not run out, and they didn't. They never ran out. Then he prayed, first resurrection ever talked about in the Bible, her son, that widow's son died. He prayed that child back to life, and that child was resurrected. Not know about you, I have not experienced a resurrection yet. I'm still praying for it. Then there's this big showdown at Mount Carmel, and he calls down fire from heaven, and it rained fire. That's amazing. It's amazing. Then he killed all these prophets of of Baal with his sword. And y'all, later on, y'all got to go read this story because later on, it says that he outran a horse. Not like the old gray mare who ain't what she used to be, but the king's horse. He outran this horse. That's crazy. That's like, he's got this cape on with this big E on his shirt, like, a superhero, I don't even know, it's crazy. What would ever happen, have to happen to a dude like this to make him go running for his life and sit down under a tree and want to die? Well, I'm glad you asked. The next two characters of the story, Ahab and Jezebel. And they are so fun, so fun. So here we have King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. This is an ancient king and queen from 3,000 years ago, like I said. And Elijah's very real God, our God, the one true and living God, defeated their demon God, Baal, on Mount Carmel, and they had a hard time getting over it they just could not get past it especially Jezebel she was having a moment so we're going to put this story on pause for just a second and we're going to really look at a closer focused look at these two people and these were real people that lived on planet earth 3000 years ago so Ahab is up first here's his characteristics he's passive Ugh. he's weak he's fearful he's disempowered He's a coward. He has no courage, and he's effeminate. 1 Kings 16.30 and 21.25 tells us that he was more evil than all the other kings of Israel. So nothing about that characteristic list that I just read to you pleases God. Nothing. Today, I will tell you, this is now a spirit, because the person Ahab is dead, And I'm gonna prove this to you. It is alive and well. It has captured an entire generation of young men. And I will, let me say this to you Ahab and Jezebel, they can be a man and can be a woman, but it doesn't have to be. It can also be flipped the other way. I've seen women who are Ahab's and men who are Jezebel's. And we'll get to why in just a minute, but it's still alive and well. It has captured a generation of young men. And let me tell you why they're out of church. They're complicit with everything in society. They're unwilling to work. They don't do anything. They don't say anything. They do nothing. They stand up for nothing. They speak for nothing. This spirit usually shows up in their homes and their relationships and their churches, not necessarily in their jobs, but it does show up. And then oftentimes we see them on boards and in governmental positions. That's shocking, right? Mm-hmm. Now, not board the board of this church, praise the Lord. Because we're on the lookout. Here's a real clincher. Here's the real clincher of Ahab, how you know you're dealing with an Ahab. When evil comes, they surrender. They never ever war. They never fight. They throw their white hanky up in the air and say, I give, Uncle. I surrender. That's their calling card. Now, what about Jezebel? We know this story was 3,000 years ago, but 1,000 years later in the book of Revelation, we see Jesus talking about her. And he's warning the church at Tyatira. In Revelation 2, 20 through 24, which I will not read to you, he says these words, why do you tolerate the woman Jezebel? Now, he's not talking about Hollywood. He's talking to the church. 1,000 years after this woman died. So we know this thing is a spirit that is alive and well. So what are her characteristics? How, if we are going to not tolerate it, what does it look like? Well, for the first thing is it's seductive. It's seductive. You know what? The, the, one of the reasons that Jezebel is often women is because it's drawn to the female psyche because women can often control without use of force. Do you know what I mean? It is also controlling. Now, I don't mean necessarily controlling and that it's gonna get up and fight you. I mean, it's controlling you with its emotions. I'm just gonna freeze you out. I'm gonna give you the silent treatment. I'm gonna make you ask me what's wrong all the time. I'm just gonna, you know, it just, it's controlling. It tries to control your emotions all the time and how you feel. It's intimidating to you. When you feel that, know something's up. Run away from that, push that away. It can be bullying. It's destructive. It destroys homes, churches, relationships, and families. It is a wrecking, ruining spirit of everything that it touches and gets control over. It is a schemer. It schemes behind the scenes to get its work done. She, this spirit, hates the Elijah spirit because the Elijah spirit is the Holy Spirit at work on the earth, and it hates that. She has always wanted an audience with the men of God, and today is no different. Later in the story, we see that Jehu goes to find her. And when he ends up finding her, She is surrounded by a company of eunuchs, neutered, castrated, weak little men. She has to be surrounded by that. She has to have that and Ahab's in order to function. See, Jezebel always gets a bad rap. Jezebel always shows up in a vacuum where there's been an Ahab leader that's weak. The Jezebel spirit will show up in that vacuum and it will take over everything if that's what that person is carrying. She cannot exist without an Ahab spirit to do her bidding. She canceled and killed the prophets of God. Now, many times when we look out into our churches and our communities, these people are leaders. They could even be teachers. They can can lead in different kinds of capacities. But what you will find is they are never, ever under authority. Never. Well, Harriet, how can that be if they've got jobs and they're working and they're, you know, they have to be under authority. No, here's what they do. On the outside, they're sitting down. On the inside, they're standing up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, they're really never under anyone's authority. Jezebel means unhusbanded. Well, she was married to the king of Israel. Not in here, she wasn't. Because another meaning for her name is Baal is my prince. So her husband was Baal, the God she worshiped, the demon God, Baal. So notice here in this story that she's showing up at the worship service on Mount Carmel. And we know that she still shows up at church because Jesus was addressing the spirit 1,000 years later in the church. So now that that ground is laid, and we've got those two characters in hand, let's get back to the story. We see in Revelation 19 too, this is not on the screen. I'm just gonna read it to you because you've already read it today. It says, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods, little G, do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow at about this time. That little G God means demons. The literal translation of that is demons. So shall the demons do to me. She serves demons. This spirit is attached to a demon God. She has focused all the powers of hell on one man named Elijah, who is declaring the word of the Lord alone, literally in the earth to the people of Israel. He is alone in that. And she's like, hey, by this time tomorrow, you're gonna die. I got you. You're going to die. And the Bible says he is now running for his life, afraid and full of fear. Say fear again. Do you know that one day you and I can be calling down fire from heaven and the next day we can be running for our lives? It's true. If you've never experienced that, it just means it hadn't happened to you yet. That actually can happen. And he ran and the Bible says he left his humble and gentle servant sitting there at Beersheba, and he went deep into the woods. He went into the wilderness, and Elijah was a Tishbite. And the Tishbite people, they were outdoorsy people. He could eat off the land. He could do all the, like, think about the, uh, the, uh, the oh, Isaac, what is it? The Eagle Scouts, like you. I mean, they can kill the things, eat the things, cook the things, right? Set up the tent and do, a, I mean, if y'all followed me out into the wilderness, I don't even know, I'd have a protein bar and a water bottle. I I don't even know. I don't even know what we'd eat. I have no idea. But he was ready. He was like, okay, I'm going into the wilderness. But he, I mean, it was just unbelievable that he left his servant, the Bible, I just read that to y'all, and then went alone into the wilderness. He goes to the tree. He asks God to die. And I don't think he was suicidal. I think he was over it. Y'all ever been over it? I have I have been over it where I'm like, ah, you know, if the Lord sounded the trumpet, today would be a good day. Today is a good day to go on home and be with the Lord. I mean, I'm not kidding. I I have literally had moments in my life where I'm like, I am over this. The Bible tells us he laid down on the ground and slept, and then the angel came with the cake and the water, and then he went back to sleep again. The second time it says the angel of the Lord came and touched him and told him to arise and eat because there is a journey, a great journey yet ahead of him. This man needed a break, right? He needed a touch from heaven to strengthen him. He was totally human, Even though when I read his accolades just a little while before, it doesn't sound like he is, but he's totally human. Do you know that the Bible, your Bible, is filled with how God takes normal people like you and me and does extraordinary things with their lives. So this is just a picture of him saying yes to God and kind of where he ends up after all of that. So God wants to do something extraordinary with your life. So what should we be over it about? Remember the title, what are you doing here? Well, I will say, there's an answer to this question of how do we keep the false prophecies of Jezebel and the weaknesses of Ahab from infecting our churches, our families, and our lives in this crazy time of history. And I'm gonna give you four things and then I'm gonna close it out. Are y'all ready? Can you listen quick? Okay, I'm gonna talk quick. Number one, find your voice for God find your voice for God. When confronted with a cultural dilemma, do not stay silent. The time is way past for that, y'all. Speak the truth. When you're forced with a dilemma and there's some kind of cultural weird thing happening, speak, speak the truth. Say what's true. Do you know that you and I, we cannot, we can't truly love people if we don't tell them the truth. I mean, at least take take the time and go to the trouble to tell them the truth if you really love them, right? Because guess what? It's the truth that will set you and me free. Nothing else, nothing's going to set us free but truth. And love and truth have to go hand in hand. Now, Gina talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It has to go hand in hand together. So if we really love people, we actually will tell them the truth in love. This is one of the biggest places I see this number one lacking today. I think people really lack courage and rightfully so, right? Because you know, who in the world wants to be tomorrow's headline, right? Because we see what happens to people, right, that use their voice. We see what happens. You don't want to be canceled. You don't want to be called all kinds of names, right? We, nobody wants that. Sometimes I have friends or people who know me, and they will send me, y'all, things to post. I'm like, you, you post it on your account, why do I have to post it on my account? Because I'm gonna tell you something, if you and I are gonna see a generation change, it's gonna take all of our voices, I, it just can't be my voice. It's gotta be everybody's voice. Because guess what, I get like Elijah sometimes, I'm running for my life and afraid and I have dark days. So somebody else needs to rise up sometimes. Use your own page. Do your own, you know, platform and do all the things. Use your influence for the truth. For the truth. Yes. I I don't even know where I am right now. Oh, one of the biggest ways we know that we've been infected, because you may wonder, like, how do I know if I've come under this Jezebel Ahab thing and it's operational in my life? How do I know that? You you will know because you'll be too intimidated to use your voice. When the culture goes, this is true, and you know that's not true, you know that's a lie. When you're in t- too intimidated to confront that, you know you've been infected by that spirit. Number two, recognize the season that we're in. Recognize this season that we're in. Now, so many people want to be on vacation, right? We, we, we do, we want to be out at the beach, y'all, with our toes in the sand, right? I mean, can you imagine back on the beaches of Normandy, like during the war, if those tanks had rolled up on those beaches and there's people laying out in the sun and getting their sunblock on and, you know, putting their t- put, getting all their drinks out of their cooler. I mean, That's what is happening right now. That's literally what's happening. We're not on vacation. We are in a war right now. We are, whether we like it or not. We're in a war. So we got to suit up and, and behave like we know that we are. Because if we show up with our beach chairs and our flip flop shawl, they're going to kill us. We're going to die. We're not going to make it through. See, Elijah, he had to understand what he was. I mean, do you think he wanted to go, hey, get all of Israel and bring everybody up to the mountain and let's pour a bunch of water on stuff and call down fire from heaven? No, there's nobody wants to do that. But he knew, he had to do that because he knew there was a war. He's like, there is a battle for the very people of God because Israel was God's people, still is. So he stepped into his time of history and he changed things, one man. Let that be you. Number three, sleep, eat, and hydrate. (laughs) Now this one sounds very natural, but you know what? God wants you and I trust him. And when Elijah went out, you know, into the wilderness, he laid down and went to sleep. And I think he was totally trusting that God was going to make everything okay, that he was going to take care of him when he laid down to sleep. Sometimes we're so tired from the battle that rest must come. It must come. Do you know why so many people, this is thus thinketh Harriet. I think so many people have a hard time sleeping at night because they are trying to fight battles in the night time that they're too afraid to face in the day. Don't let this be you. Take them on. Take them on. If Elijah can kill 450 of them at one time, y'all, we got this in the spirit realm because we're going to win. Jesus already, he already bought the victory for us. We're going to win this thing. There is no wonder who's going to, if you suit up for battle, you're going to win. I promise. Okay. So where am I here? All right, another sign that the Jezebel spirit may be attacking you is that you are physically and mentally exhausted. Yes, I know everybody has been there. This spirit will wear you down, wear you down, wear you down and steal precious rest from you. The Bible tells us that rest is our inheritance as the children of God. We are promised that in the Word of God. That's part of what Jesus died to give us is rest. So when y'all need to sleep, lay down and take a nap if you need to, okay? I'm giving you the full, you can do it. And then my favorite part of the story when you get to it is that there's cake. There's cake. When he wakes up, there's a cake there. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, who doesn't love cake, Like, I mean, I know it said bread in some of the versions, but I like the versions that said cake better. I was like, oh, there's cake. He's waking up like a celebration when there's a cake there. It's amazing. So nourishment for sure. And then, you know, Tim and I grew up in the mountains of North Carolina and we would never ever to this day ever go to a trailhead without taking enough supply of water. When you are heading into a wilderness season, make sure that you are hydrated How do you hydrate? By the washing of the water of the word. That's how you stay hydrated. You cannot win in the wilderness without hydration. It just will never, ever happen. And so you want to make sure that you have done all that you can to take care of yourself. Now, when, when we do that, we're kind of operating in the first three dimensions in the hot way that, you know, all the natural things when we do the, the eat, the sleep, the hydrate. But when we do that, God then comes in and he takes care of that fourth dimension for us. That fourth dimension's always there and God will swoop in. And here's our last point, go to church. Now, it seems like that Elijah wanted to be alone he left his little servant in Beersheba and went on ahead by himself. But the reality is I truly believe that he did not want to truly be alone because nobody does. Nobody does. Do you know that's the number one fear of the human heart is being totally alone. Nobody wants to be alone as he left him there and went on ahead. Soon we see Elisha joined up with other believers. I'll call them the church. Jehu, we see Elisha. We see some other people in his life soon after this. But notice when Jezebel sent her warning to Elijah that she was coming to kill him, what did he do? He separated himself. He isolated himself and he became totally alone. And that's what this spirit wants. If it can get you alone and isolated, it's got you. Everyone, social distance, stay six feet apart. Make sure you go up and down the aisles with the arrows only. Y'all, I'm never doing that again. That's, I'm I'm done. If y'all ever see me in a grocery store following the arrows, somebody come get me and know that I am unwell if I'm doing that. I am never doing that again. Never, ever, ever. But we have to stay together with other believers we can never again let the world or the government shut the church down. That can never happen again. Never, because that has left such a massive void in our society that it may take a generation to actually heal it, because it was so destructive. See, during this time, they called Elijah the troubler of Israel. You and I need to become troublers ourselves. We need to become troublers to the demonic realm and go, no, I am pushing back that narrative and that lie right now. I'm not coming into alignment with that. That's what we need to do. So God's asking some of us today, what are you doing here? Not what are you doing here? I know what y'all are doing here. Y'all, by the way, y'all win. I didn't say that on the go to church today. Y'all are like, woo, we're here. You did it. So awesome. It's so good. But you may find yourself today like down, discouraged, depressed, anxious, fearful, lacking courage. You may be in that place where Elijah found himself and kind of how Ahab was too. You may actually find yourself there. It's always the calling card of the enemy, especially Jezebel and Ahab but we can stand firm against that. And our title of our series, I Am Over It, we become overcomers when we stand in the truth and uphold the name of Jesus Christ. When we stand under that, we can know that we are overcomers. And we can say, I'm not doing that another day. I'm absolutely not doing it. So today you and I, we have a choice. We can, we can cross over. We can actually do it and go, I've got a renewed heart of courage now. Or we can cower to the culture. We have one of two choices because I'm telling you, they're coming for us. If you're paying attention, you know what I mean. So you better make sure that you know what camp you're settled in. So today, what we did was tackle a big old portion of Scripture. It was, it's a big story. It's sort of an epic tale, the story of Elijah and Ahab and Jezebel and Mount Carmel, all of the things. It's kind of big today. But you may have seen yourself and you may have say, I feel like I'm in a time myself right now. I feel weak. I feel complicit I feel like I'm afraid all the time. I'm afraid to stand up for what's right. I'm afraid afraid to say what's right, even though I know what's right. Uh, you may even feel like you've got a little bit of Jezebel. You may feel like I've been controlling. Um, I have been intimidating. I've been bullying. I've been damaging to relationships around my life. And I want to get that under the blood. I want to get that off of my life. Or you may feel like Elijah. And you may be like, I'm at the end of my own humanity. I have reached the end end of it. This is it. I have reached it today. I have no more humanity left in me and I need somebody to come along and agree with me in prayer so I can get to the other side of this because Elijah needed that. He needed the angel of the Lord to come and and refresh his spirit and you and I need one another. So I want to end today by doing two things. First of all, I want to give anyone an opportunity to receive Jesus if you never have. And secondly, I wanna give an opportunity for you to receive prayer from anyone on our prayer ministry team or to take communion. So before I go any further, I want everyone to bow your heads. And if you are here today and you are like, I have never really started a relationship with Jesus. This is all kind of new stuff for me. I don't really have a past in walking with Jesus. I never have a time that I remember when I was saved and I gave my heart to the Lord. Well, I want you to know that Jesus came and he died for you so that he could make you brand new and that that he could make you into a new creation. And if you will turn to him today and say yes to Jesus, it will be the best yes you have ever given anyone or anything in your whole entire life, I promise. So I want to give an opportunity with our heads bowed. If you want to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you today. If you'll just slip your hand up and then put it back down and I will just say a general prayer for anyone who feels like that's me, I need to do that today. Thank you so much, I see those hands. Thank you so much. Let's all pray this together. Dear Jesus, thank you for being the kindest one we know. Thank you for saving me. I repent of my sins and I receive you as Lord and Savior today. I'm starting a new life with you, Jesus. You are now my Lord and my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, let's give a hand. It's amazing. For those of you who just began a life today with the Lord Jesus, the the Bible tells us when one soul gives their heart to Jesus, the angels in heaven have a party. They're eating cake, y'all. They're eating cake, they're having a party. It's amazing, isn't it? And we get to be part of all that today here as new lives are changed. If you all will stand up, I'm gonna ask the prayer ministers to go ahead and go to the sides. And if you have something that you want Jesus to touch and to heal, or you want these prayer ministers to stand with you today and break some of this stuff off your life, do it today. If you've got something you need to lay down, don't leave with that thing. Lay it at the foot of the cross today and have someone stand with you in prayer. Thank you all so much. I have enjoyed my time this morning and we're just gonna go into worship now.